welcome back to the Magic of the Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. I felt inspired to record a solo episode this evening about a day today, an experience I had throughout the day, tracking some of the threads, you know, I'm, I really connect with Weaver and like spider magic and, you know, cords and astrology is such a, a weaving language. Like we track these certain archetypal themes and we see how they're woven into a chart, woven into a day, woven into a transit, seeing all the threads coming together. And so I have an experience pretty consistently that these amazing things happen or these kind of archetypal things happen and I want to capture them. And I really enjoy having uh, the opportunity to share things here on the podcast because sometimes it's good to just tell the story with my voice um, rather than just writing it. And you know, being able to use the expression of my voice and all of that to tell a story. So I wanted to tune in with today's, you know, experience and really just in the spirit too of like, what is it like to experience astrology in your personal world? You know, when you know the symbols, you have access to speaking the language of astrology through your study of it and your time with it then you can see it and it gets so multifaceted and so dynamic that I think it it's easy for it to just kind of like go with the wind every day, just kind of like be mandala, sand dialed, sand dialed, mandala, sand blown away kind of energy. Like it comes into being and it goes away. There's so many threads to catch. So I just decided to record this in the heat of the moment. Uh, It was a day that, you know, certain things were happening, but by the end of the day, I was like, oh my, this is a Mars Saturn Uranus experience. And I was tracking all the threads. So I decided I would record. And before I get into this episode, if you enjoy this podcast, please support a year ahead by backing my current Kickstarter campaign that ends July 19th. We are closing on day 16, day 16 at the time that I record this. With last time I checked, 62 backers and um, nearing 9K. We need 12K minimum to be funded on Kickstarter, and my goal is to pass last year's funding by having more than 115 backers and 20,000, which is what we made last time. The Kickstarter is for funding a year ahead of weekly forecasts, which I share to this podcast as well. I'm just starting the seventh year now of writing them every week. And the Kickstarter is also about these Magic of the Spheres episodes. It takes everyone to crowdfund, so please feel into your heart and generosity if you love this podcast and gift it back by supporting another year. Thank you to everyone who has supported so far. The link is in the notes. Back this campaign. Take pride in your internet community and the media that you enjoy, and don't wait until the last minute. For backers, I'm offering talks on the astrology of 2022, visualization magic, and eros. 
as well as a new creative writing course, Image Hive, discounted tuition to the upcoming Evolutionary Astrology Intensive, spaces to book a reading with me before my prices increase the next time my books open, and the replay of last year's online presence as performance art. So check out the link in the notes to the Kickstarter, and I will get into our episode now. feel inspired to share a story of my day today and how I felt a connection from my experience to the current astrological landscape in what happened today. And this current astrological landscape, to name a few influences that I'm tracking, though it's always so layered, is the Uranus, the Saturn-Uranus square, which is characterizing 2021 Saturn and Aquarius square Uranus and Taurus at this moment. And I'm recording this right now, June 25th, 10, 11 p.m. Pacific. This Saturn-Uranus square is emphasized now by Mars and Leo joining in for a T-square. And it's also cancer season. We just came out of a full moon in Capricorn that I'm still feeling the unfurling reverberations of. This episode is a personal share. I've had some people express curiosity from time to time about how astrologers experience astrology in life. You know, both other astrologers saying how nice it is to hear personal stories and non-astrologers being curious. And I'm also, you know, acutely aware of the difference between private and public life. Um, But that being said, one of my greatest idols in the world of creativity and legacy is Anais Nin, who published her diaries. And so I don't know, sometimes it just comes through me that I want to share something personal here. And I'm I'm very aware of the ideas of, you know, not doing that or, you know, being private and but personally feel a certain level of dharma around sharing personal experience. Um, So here we are. And, you know, even though this share is going to be personal, I'm not really sharing it here for it to be about me. These are archetypal universal themes. Um, In addition to being a reflection of a moment in time that we're currently sharing And I'm always looking for more literature and storytelling in the world that depicts our actual experiences. Like I crave to read a book that I relate to, you know, and astrologers are always seeing symbols at play. We see symbolically constantly. And I don't think I've ever read a novel per se that was like full of astrological symbols the whole time because that just hasn't hit the literary market per se, but that doesn't mean that it can't be a genre that's invented. So for our sakes here, because we are speaking this language together and I'll give you some basics too, before we get into it, so you can follow the story because really we're just talking about archetypal patterns and then the story of how they play out. So there's actually a really amazing intersection between literature and literary analysis and storytelling and astrology. So it's amazing to be able to blend them. And I wanted to offer a portrait of a day under a pretty catalyzing sky. And 
you know, I think it's catalyzing for everyone, but it is my Saturn return. Um, it hasn't happened exact. Saturn retrograded a few degrees away from my natal Saturn, but the Saturn Uranus square is my Saturn return. So I'm having a Saturn return, but in this key of Saturn Uranus. So maybe that's also why, you know, my day felt so particularly electric or emphasized, but the transits are happening for all of us. And whenever we tune in and reflect or, you know, deepen a practice of being open, like opening to ourselves and to experience the transits make themselves known. And that's the fun, (laughs) the fun. It honestly is. It's really one of my favorite things about living astrologically. So the astral terroir that we are working with, this is the quality of the soil for the growth of the soul, astral terroir. It is as follows. And for the sake of our story, I will be offering more pointed and angled interpretations here at times, but the astrology is always deeply complex and multivalent. So now that you've heard my disclaimer, here we go. We're in the wake of a Capricorn full moon. So this is the release of grief and misguided determination. The moon is about giving life. Capricorn is about limitation, cutting out the excess focus in some sense. And Capricorn, you know, is the responsibility of making decisions that truly align with us at an emotional level so that we love the world that we build. We love the work that we go to. We love the way that we spend our lives. But the full moon, the fullness of a Capricorn moon and the full moon relating to letting go, there could be something here around letting go of endeavors that will not bear fruit. Being able to use the scythe to cut, to make better conditions for life. And so having to face the awareness of failure, as well as facing the full awareness of a success too. The full moon is a full reveal And Capricorn works with that dynamic of feeling failure to feeling success, among other things. For me, definitely had a lot of themes around failure in some sense and success, I guess, happening at the same time in different areas of life. Uranus square, the Uranus Saturn square of 2021. Lately, I've been joking to myself I have not been irresponsible to put this as an official interpretation, but I joke one mental breakdown per day. Uh, And I really, I mean that as a joke. And why is that? I mean, I feel like my consciousness is throbbing at least one point in the day where uh, some kind of thought loop is coming to the surface. It's graining on me. I feel the intense limitation of my own consciousness. I feel the impasse. I feel the breakdown. And if I go into it, there's often a breakthrough. So I've been letting myself go there for a variety of reasons. More seriously, when I talk about the Saturn Uranus square, I would say it's a hard hitting workshop of the edges of our paradigm. You have Saturn structure, the status quo, the crystallization of 
uh, the past into a form. So you do the same thing day in and day out. There's a form that shows up from that. The thoughts that you think routinely every day for years have a form of a consequence in some sense. And these things can be changed, but the inertia of conditioning can also make change take time with Saturn. Whereas Uranus doesn't take a lot of time. Uranus is a strike of lightning. Uranus is a flash awakening. Uranus is sudden. Uranus is nonlinear. Uranus is beyond what we can even imagine. Uranus is Promethean fire. So when you have these two forces making a hard confrontational, and by hard, it doesn't mean difficult. It could. Hard aspect simply means that it's um, it's like a 90 degree angle. So if you are looking at a table or a desk or something, instead of it having like a curve or something, and you feel kind of that hard edge to it, it's like tectonic plates or something where they're moving at cross directions. And so they create a kind of confrontational energy together. It doesn't mean they're working against each other or working at cross purposes. Like they have agendas that aren't compatible per se. It's like a friction, like you're really rubbing up against and that friction forces a kind of confrontation. So if you have this force of structure and this force of freedom or beyond the known coming together, it's like feeling pressure, Saturn, and then release, Uranus. Titrated, Saturn, awakenings, Uranus. Awakening, Uranus, to how we're not free, Saturn. Building our freedom, Saturn building freedom, Aquarius, a Uranus as well, building our freedom as best we know how with our intention and conscious choice. Saturn and Aquarius relates to the structure of our consciousness. So that can be our mindset or how we, you know, mentally understand a paradigm. Can be the thoughts that we habitually think. It could be paradigmatic, like what, how we think of the nature of reality. Uranus and Taurus relates to embodied awakenings, awakening through the body, becoming more aware of the body, putting the body first, having a direct experience with the body, cultivating a deeper relationship with the body that transcends our imagination of what is possible here. So important to know of embodiment practitioners, somatic practitioners during this Uranus and Taurus time. I've learned a lot from Perry Chase and Carla Palomino. Mars and Leo closes in for a T-square, adding great force to the Saturn-Uranus dynamic, invigorating it. That's what Mars does. It brings emphasis. It brings force. It creates a greater intensity. It's kind of like turning up the heat or turning up the volume on any transit that it touches. Mars and Leo brings in play and heat. Additionally, Leo is a fire sign. The courage, Mars, to have fun, Leo. The courage to be a child at heart and to be in the wild aliveness of the emotion of the moment. You know, children can be so transparent about how they're feeling, their sadnesses, their tantrums, their joys, their spontaneously, you know, yelling something across the room or talking to a stranger you know, these wild impulses and potentially something here, you know, Mars squaring Saturn 
And I think that this is a principle within Mars in general is that, you know, weapons come to mind and knives come to mind and knives are tools, but we have to know how to wield them well, lest we hurt ourselves. And so I think that when it comes to letting out the ferocious aliveness of our life force, we can wield that responsibly. We can wield that with the grace of a warrior. So now that I've set up the astral terroir, I'll tell you about my day and I'll weave in how the astrology was involved as I see it. I think the image that's best to start with is at the earlier part of the day around 11, maybe a little later, actually. It was in the afternoon. I was crying, essentially, with my head in my hands, messing up my makeup, on the phone with my mom, feeling like I was a failure in my personal life, and not exactly trying to solve it. I felt surrendered to a lightning bolt of grief and also the need, you know, to throw out a lifeline. My story that was happening here is that my career and my creativity is thriving. I've invested in this day in and day out for years. My writing, my sharing, my craft, my public presence. My friends are across the globe. They live in different parts of the world. We connect on the internet. I'm in a new city and... My romantic excitement about being in a new city and everything being amazing is wearing off. The loneliness is getting to me. I long for a family feeling, a life where so many of my loved ones are always close, like a sitcom, like people just entering the room freely and freely leaving. Note, it's cancer season, but I don't think of this at the time exactly. In the last few days it started to occur to me that people are responding to my public work in a way that reflects to me that I'm doing well. People think I'm doing well, but I'm distraught and unhappy in this other compartment of my life. They can both coexist. I ask my mom, I say, I love my students. I love teaching. I love counseling people. And I'm truly present when I do that. I feel connected to it. I feel present. Just because I'm unhappy or lonely doesn't mean I'm going to give this away or just collapse into myself. But how can I have the strength to show up? My life is out of balance. Now, I'm saying this calmly now, but (laughs) I was like in a lot of tears and just feeling this pure, unfiltered weight of loneliness and despair. And I spiral into other stories. At least in this sadness, there's a clarity. I don't even know if I want to buy a home anymore. I don't know if this home will solve my problems. I don't know if I'll be happy in this home. It's not a good market. It's a really hard time to buy. My dream to buy, you know, across the country. And everyone I talk to knows that, you know? My dream to buy began without any awareness of the market. 
It popped into my mind subjectively, innocently, that I wanted to. So I think it's time to rent an apartment and stop leaving the search for the home, that door open. It's taking up time and energy and it hurts. And I'm not moving forward in my life in terms of nesting. I'm going from place to place, renting temporary rooms, looking for housing, looking for a home. I'm tired. And one thing, it feels good to cry here, to settle to the bottom of the ocean here, to hold my head in my hands and cry with a fully open heart. I start to feel better, noticing the profundity of going into an emotion fully, that a few minutes ago, I thought my despair and hopelessness was endless, but now it's slowly fading away. I come back to my inner strength, my trust. I'm feeling so grateful for my mom and the relationship that we have. We hang up the phone and I have work in 40 minutes. Just a Saturn return moment, perhaps. Two wonderful client sessions follow. Having generative experiences at work as, say, a coach, a guide, an astrologer, teacher, to me, this isn't about having your own life figured out perfectly. It's about being fully present and sufficient, being present with the person and the field of the session. I think that when people are their own brand, you know, like people are the practitioner, there's this illusion that you have to be perfect, but perfection's a tricky illusion. Away from the work, this kind of transformative coaching consciousness kind of work, it's engaging your transformative work, your path fully as a lifestyle. You're devoted to it. I'm always picking up wisdom from my studies and my life experiences, and I can put aside my personality or my life when I'm working with someone. It's actually a relief to have that space away from oneself. And I found that I felt more peace after these sessions, this reminder that I love my work. And I felt into the fullness of this having broken down and cried earlier and been in such a state and feeling so open by that, that, that the meaningfulness of the work and the, you know, just beings that I was encountering filled my heart. Maybe a surprising moment of brightness, Saturn Uranus, cracking the glow stick so it can glow. It's a little bit of a crusty metaphor, but that's the thing with Saturn. You can build a life of always being open to life and being able to adjust and being malleable, or you can get crusty, but the crustier we get, the more it takes to break open. So something to consider, but definitely 
because I have my own Saturnian patterns of discipline and doing things with devotion and focus, sometimes it does feel like a glow stick breaking open. I start to dream of a rooftop pool and a patio for my new apartment situation. Forget making an investment every month with my rent. I'll invest every month in enjoying the fuck out of my life with a rooftop pool and a patio. And I can come back to the home dream later, you know? It feels nice to be excited. Looking for a home had compounded without my noticing a type of contraction and stress in my consciousness that had become unbearable, even though I thought I was doing some big, exciting, and practical thing to use my rent as an investment to invest. I was really giving it a shot. And I'm an Aries. I ram my head against walls until I win, but sometimes retreat is what is called for. I think of the I Ching hexagram. I can't recall which one that has to do with the wisdom of retreat. I'm pretty sure there is one. This retreat has a grave taste, then relief. To be free, Uranus, of applying my efforts in an unfruitful direction, at least to delay until the market improves. Another sensible choice to make. But when you are determined, retreat isn't something you consider until it hurts. It pops into my awareness that going to a river sounds exciting. I take myself to a new beach at the river. It's clothing optional. I had a little bit of resistance thinking that I kind of feel ugly I don't want to shave and I didn't want to take the time. I didn't even feel like I could make myself feel pretty. I felt like I was just in an ugly state of mind in some sense. And so I decided to take my hag to the beach to just really not care how I looked, which scared me. So I get to the beach walk down a long path to find it. I set up a towel, get mostly naked. I get into the water and notice my reticence to swim. See all this Saturnian consciousness? I don't want to go out and have fun. I don't want to swim. I'm too crusty. I decide I will swim. I count to three and jump all the way in. And I'm suddenly elated, Uranus. Swimming naked, laughing, realizing how far I'd come from my earlier mood. The echo of the morning reaches me, a reverberation. So strike, so stark. And it's cancer season. I cried on the phone to my mom and felt unfiltered grief and sadness. Now I'm laughing in a lake. I used to not let myself go to these places all the way, trying to be reasonable. Why feel a moment of intense archetypal unfiltered sadness and despair if it's just a fucking state, just an illusion? I don't have time for that. 
I used to think. But I've grown tired of the energy that it takes to stay positive. Now, I don't regret all the discipline and my consciousness that I built up to stay positive. It was a very important part of the journey and incredible to build that kind of mental capacity for freedom and choosing my emotions on purpose. But right now, the thing that calls me and inspires me is a kind of sobriety of just being fully with what's actually happening in my consciousness and trusting that and following the thread of whatever wants to unravel. Because I think when I needed to be positive and raise my vibration, all what I think are important skill sets to have, I was building something in my life that didn't exist yet. And now there are certain structures in my life that are pretty sturdy. And I think I feel a certain trust in my own consciousness and a trust in the net that's holding me that I can let go in different ways than I used to feel like I had the capacity for. I've been learning in the last year or so, diving into studying and embodying the feminine and unraveling more and more layers of conditioning of patriarchal consciousness and internalized misogyny. I've been learning to not resist my emotions or judge them or try to control them or think that they're crazy. And I don't usually think that they're crazy so obviously because of my experiences in that regard. I used to have such an amazing grip on my emotions. First, to not be consumed by my feelings, learning how to hold back explosive, uncontrollable tears as a kid when I was in school, feeling this fisheye lens view, the world closing in on me and my tears, too much attention, too primal, vulnerable, people coming up to me, asking me what's wrong. Learning how to, in the face of an intense emotion welling up, swallow it, not let it show up on my face, not cry. Didn't realize I was doing it. I think it's worked into my natal chart and it's heavily karmic. <laughs> there were so many consequences of swallowing emotions like that that took time to understand. Suppressing emotions only makes them more explosive and sets off shame or heavier consequences due to the explosion. How could I have been so messy? How could I have lost control like that? Or the environment saying that in some sense, tone it down. And then getting more contracted and controlling and then exploding and contracting and controlling. This pattern, this energetic, is why I don't personally believe in bipolar disorder or that I have it. But I did get a diagnosis when I was in my early 20s that I rejected immediately. Uh, contraction and repression creates a weather pattern that supports explosions of all kinds of emotion, including ecstasy and mania. Because think of depression and what's depressed, what's suppressed, and depress, we're not talking here about sadness or feeling down. We're talking about taking part of your life force and depressing it, like 
pushing it down and compacting it, turning it into coal, into a diamond, like making it very compact. And so when it opens up, it opens up with a kind of intensity. So if you've been suppressing a part of your life force for for a certain amount of time and it all comes back to you at one explosive moment, that can feel like ecstasy or mania. And I've definitely been there. And after, you know, rejecting a bipolar diagnosis and learning to regulate myself, I've learned a lot about how to trust myself when I'm down and how to trust myself when I'm having an ecstatic or peak experience. It's a lot about not spiraling into stories about being crazy or something being wrong or making an extreme unaligned choice. It's like just being in the ceremony of the feelings. For years, I learned how to suppress my emotions less, but also to balance them. Balance was a key. I learned how to cultivate positive emotions and channel ecstasy as a disciplined practice. Saturn and Aquarius. Construct liberation. Construct peak experiences in the mind by following your highest excitement and living from a place of joy. As a devotion, as a discipline. Think of the kind of life that you'll live over time by consistently choosing joy. And sure, there's resistance. How can you be responsible? How can you be in touch with reality? You learn. If you put your joy in a high priority, if you put your peak experience and your ecstasy as high priority and you want to live a functional life, you're going to figure those things out. I learned how to manage all of my feelings. My earlier forms of control changed forms and became more productive or conducive to building things in the long term and being happy. It didn't look like the same kind of control. And sometimes it really was just good restraint or responsibility, poise. It's still a place I'm very comfortable being, or a comfortable default. Being under control. Having it under control. But in the last year, and currently in the Saturn return, I'm more interested in range, like my bandwidth for feelings in the moment. Being connected to the essence of the moment. My capacity to move from moment to moment to feel and embody and move with my emotion rather than manage them as clearly as I have. That served me in my early 20s. It's changing now. I've courted back my messy to come back into relationship with my responsible self who has learned to surf reality reasonably, skillfully. These have been important things. But coming back into relationship with the messy is, of course, a little bit threatening to the control dynamics. So I stop trying to rescue myself from my despair or my rage. I become a quicker alchemist. It's become tiring to try to control her, the messy one, the one in despair, the melancholic, and even the sharp anger who was once so far drowned that I now celebrate the appearance of her and her radical clarity. I'm walking a path of trusting them more, 
So I think one, head in my hands crying, two, engaging in my dharma, three, swimming in the water naked and laughing. Then drying off in the sun from my swim, like boomerang whiplash. My rock bottom from the morning or the early afternoon returned to me reversed. A joy shook my body so hard. I became anxious of my own pulsing heart, which I could feel as a steady throb in my chest more forceful than usual. Mars and Leo. Forceful heart. Was it my swim against the current? I'd forgotten. All I could feel was my heart filling my body. I was scared until I gave myself a mantra, smiling. So much energy in this body. So much energy in this body. That implies a question. What are we going to do with it? If this afternoon I could be with the gravity of my despair, right now I can be with the shock of my joy. It's confronting. There's some shame to feel how contracted my system is getting just from having fun. But I want to open here to this flavor. Uranus and Taurus, radical opening, radical receptivity, Mars and Leo, the courage of heart. You'd think people wouldn't block themselves off from radical levels of joy, but joy is something that takes courage to feel. And deeper and deeper deeper registers of it take courage to feel because what comes up comes down. It's just the flow of reality. And so opening into a, a high or opening into a heart opening, there's the risk of loss or the risk of being hurt. So not going there in the first place is a form of protection. So for whatever reason for me, just simply having a lot of fun, like an intense amount of fun, is an energy that I haven't always felt open to. I've met it sometimes and felt like I've lost it. And so in the aftermath of the experience of heartbreak, coming back to a radical sense of joy or aliveness in the heart can be scary. Further, a slideshow of all the images of times I've tried to control these feelings or had my environment try to control my wildness or the times I fought to control my own wildness go through my mind. It's altogether a little disturbing, a little Saturn and Aquarius chord plucked of conditioning and memory. But it's like they're dying off. These old skeletons. I've gotten genuinely more skillful at being a responsible person. I've learned how to hold intense sensations. So isn't it okay? Have I matured in some sense? Have I figured out the game a little bit more, the game of life, to be able to play a bigger game, hold more emotions without freaking out to a degree that is disastrous, without spilling and leaking my energy, holding that power in my body. Even so, this process is infinite and spiralic. 
Letting go fully into this joy felt scary. And it wasn't a fear that was mental. I mean, it was full of images and mental thoughts, but it was in my body. I was shaking at this point. I was needing to shed this story that I'm not allowed, that it's not okay to experience this kind of range in one day. You're not allowed to be in despair and then ecstasy. You're bipolar, you're unsafe. Wee-oo, 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 wee-oo. And just letting that train go by, fast, heavy steel whipping by, harsh energy so close, like a silver heat, can feel the impact of it passing me. Not going on that ride, though. Sitting in the fire of my joy and my aliveness, even though it scares me. Sitting in the fire of my aliveness and letting it wash over me. I'm shaking, I'm holding my shaking, letting my body release in this way. I think that this would have catapulted even more anxiety and terror if I didn't have the mental construct Saturn and Aquarius to know that the body literally shakes to release trauma. A friend told me that once. I remember the first time I learned that. I remember the subsequent times that I learned that and heard that. But... By the time I first heard that, my body had already been shaking like that uncontrollably at other moments of intense awakening, and it would always be kind of a process. But now that I know that it's okay, that nothing's wrong, I just give into it, letting myself shake, holding my opening. Shaking is a trauma release. So Uranus relates to trauma Uranus and Taurus, body, somatic trauma release, just spontaneously happening, happening from having fun, Mars and Leo. I had so much fun swimming. <laughs> I had so much fun swimming. I let myself move around and follow the shapes my body wanted to make, even though there were people around. I didn't care. I felt free in myself and noticed this, feeling grateful for the spontaneity shining through my control and poise patterns, even potentially if other people could see. I noticed how I almost could have not come out and not had fun with myself because I thought this level of fun, this level of aliveness that I was feeling, even though it had turned into some kind of trauma release experience, uh, only comes from union with another person. The energy pulsing through my body is reminiscent of what it feels like for me to be in love and playing with another person. I feel so many layers of myself. I feel so psychedelic. I feel so connected to life, the pulse of life. This is what I want. And I want to open to it so that it's not so jarring to my system. Because what I long and crave for is this level of aliveness, always. I just have to give myself permission and free myself from my inner gatekeepers, Saturn Uranus. I remember like an echo as well, this ongoing desire for partnership, 
the hard moments of feeling bad or like something is wrong because I'm single, the longing. And I feel into this moment that I'm being filled, filled by the universe, filled with sensation, filled with life, opening to the love I've sought externally, but that is already here, that is me in my deepest essence. And I feel that this opening is important. I walk back to my car. It's a longer walk through sand and lush, tropical-feeling forest, tall grass. I'd spotted a snake earlier. As I walk back, the plants are all dramatically more beautiful. I drive home in an integrative silence. My phone had died. I was recharging it. Just let it be silent. The sun setting and bright ahead of me the whole time, blinding the road, but so pleasurable to look at with sunglasses. I get home. My cat wants a lot of attention and I feel all my love for her and rub her up with the same intensity of her greeting me, rolling over and scratching her post until she calms down. I want her to never have to be alone. I want her to have everything. And I feel this sadness that she seems to be yelling, where were you? And as I'm in my own space, I realize that, I don't even mean to sound corny here, but forgive me. I love who I see in the mirror. I look messy. I have a few reddened breakouts, which I normally hate and agonize over, but they even look cute now and not like reasons to not be loved or reasons to hide. My bangs are a little greasy, my hair crunchy, beachy. My spirit feels fully alive and showing through my body here. For what it's worth, too, there was a moment before my head in my hands crying kind of moment where I was looking at the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction of 2022 and trying to delineate that, but feeling too um, caught up in my emotions to even. But I thought a lot about that transit because I'm writing delineations for it to share for the Kickstarter and was sitting with the Rumi poem, The Guest House, and about, you know, honoring every emotion that passes through. A sorrow could be clearing you out for a new delight. I'm paraphrasing. But is that not what happened? I don't think I would have gone to the beach or had that kind of exciting impulse and followed it with such freedom if I'd not fully felt into the unfiltered archetypal grief that hit me so hard earlier in the day, kind of humbled me and brought me to the ground, brought me to the feeling in my body, brought me to my longing, brought me to <clears throat> all the desire that I have for love and connection and family. So when I had that moment of jumping into the water and feeling all of this joy rush over me, I felt it fill that emptiness I'd felt earlier in the day and the shock of that reverberate so intensely that it was an awakening. 
in some sense, uh, you know, not every day of my life is this catalytic and intense, but I do feel like I live in an opera (laughs) and I do have a lot of days like this. And I feel that, you know, I like sharing things like this because I don't know who I would be or where I would be without a language like astrology. It's been such a meaningful guide. Being able to cerebrally, you know, have something for my mind to chew on, something to make sense of emotional patterns and theories about the human experience and to learn all of these different you know, by having this archetypal language, being able to organize different stories, teachings, techniques that come from non-astrological forms of thought or practice and weaving them into my understanding of the archetypes that I feel that I get to have some pretty expansive world opening experiences frequently But I think that the structure of consciousness that I've allied myself with, which is, you know, not limited to astrology, but heavily including astrology, um, gives me a lot of support frameworks for entering more deeply into life. And so those are the ideas that I want to share, you know, on the podcast and in the forecast are like perspectives that help us bond and be more intimate with life. But getting to tell a personal story and just like sharing a window of experience also feels important because like I said, with literature, catching and reflecting up to our real experiences, I think that there's something about living with wisdom teachings and living with astrology and having access to this and, you know, embodiment practice, which is something, you know, to honor the teachers, Perry Chase and Carla Palomino have helped me a lot. Um, That having tools for embodiment has been a whole layer to combine with Uranus and Taurus and opened up a new universe, essentially. And that's really profound. Thank you for listening to this account of an astrological terroir experience. It's one of those days where you feel like something happened. I also find that socially, so in group environments of people speaking astrology together and developing fluency by being in conversation together, that astrology as a a map or like another thing in the conversation to, to create connections of the story of our experience or the story of our life with actual symbols and actual placements of planetary bodies is just a kind of epiphany inducing pop rocks, electric kind of energy that I think that, you know, when you know, you know, when you have gone down the rabbit hole, when you've had the astrological experience, it's just exciting and humbling and all of the emotions. And it's a lifelong practice. 
It only deepens with the decades and, you know, side by side with personal development and the genuine effort to live a good life because um, astrology, if paired with fear-based limited thinking or anxiety and using astrology to validate a limited perspective, you know, that's not great. And I think eventually a sincere inquiry into astrology can shake those things loose, you know? Um, But I think it's good to talk about astrology in a way that opens up more doors and carries within it a certain finesse for the responsibility and the nuances of the craft, which is also something that I aim to share in my teachings and in my astrology communities. I don't think that I would have necessarily been moved to share this in the same way had I not encountered a few people remarking on how it would be interesting to hear about how astrologers experience transits. Um, So for the people that are, you know, orbiting in my mind who I know said that, um, I just am feeling a moment of such appreciation for the way that conversations and sharing mental uh, conversational space, you know, sharing airwaves, sharing ideas is not just talk. It's not just chat. It's, um, it's energy and it's movement and it's inspiration. And I love feeling into that web or that connection of how we can mutually inspire each other. And just, I think, you know, something that's really important to know and to think about is that we can both aspire to add things to the world with our energy and with the words that we share. And we can also rest into knowing that what we have to offer is meaningful for other people. I see this in group spaces when people are encouraged to drop in and be themselves and share that we all just mutually inspire each other. That's another reason that I like to share stories from my own life as uh, it does feel good to share and it also feels like an edge to share. But I think as like an ethics or a worldview, I think it's important to share stories with each other um, because that's how we understand and like create a fabric of life together as humans. So I think I'll stop my philosophizing here And thank you again for tuning in. I love you all and I will see you next time.